0: Here to discuss all things NRL, AFL and anything sports related. Please give a warm Aussie g'day to the footy fanatic and America's own Corey Jackson in Outside the Sheds. Greetings, salutations and welcome back to Outside the Sheds. Shedheads, I hope you have come into April strong. We're a few weeks okay a couple weeks from Easter so a time of rebirth is in the air in the city that I live in it got up to 96 degrees and we're not in to the middle of April so since I live by the equator in the united or divided states of America whichever way you want to call it I'm not looking forward to this summer if that's what it's going to be so I guess I'm, I'm happy I've got air conditioning. I'm, I guess I'm happy that I've got a few hats, and we'll have to go from there. But that doesn't change the fact that things are heating up in the NRL, in the AFL, and that is why we've come together again this week on Outside the Sheds. heads, let's go on the 40-20 this week. After I've talked about my beautiful weather statements and my weather situations, and I didn't even mention that uh, tornadoes were in my town not too long ago. But I want to go with the tornado that is the West Tigers. And as we go into 40-20 and we go into these scores, the first score, as you know, is the score that started the week. And that was the Titans 8, the Tigers 6. A match that looked like the Tigers were finally going to pull themselves out of their, their doldrums, get themselves in the win column, and instead an incredible kick. I think we could probably kind of rate it like the kick in the, in the grand final a couple of years ago when St. Helens somehow got the ball down and scored a try late. And that's what happens. And when you're the Tigers, you have to almost start thinking that's just fate. But the Tigers go down, the Titans somehow miraculously get a victory, which truthfully they really probably didn't deserve, but they get it, in a, in a match that almost almost didn't have any type of tries whatsoever, 8-6 though, Titans, Sharks 18 Night 0 I think we might be seeing the Sharks heading to a top 4 finish if they continue to play this way, because they're only going to get better, I know we always know injuries kind of dictate the season, but right now, the Sharkies are looking good. Panthers in the Nathan Cleary comeback game, 26-12, to grand final rematch. Cleary returns, same results. Panthers looking destructive, looking dangerous, doing what the Panthers do. Warriors 20, Broncos 6. Uh-oh. Did I? Hold on. Uh-oh. I don't know if there's an SOS that needs to be sent out up to the Queensland area. But this was two bombs and duds that were left by the two clubs up there. The first one being the Broncos really getting dismantled by a Warriors club that I don't think any of us think um, are are really trending 100% in the right direction. But maybe with Sean Johnson back, that is going to be the catalyst in the change. But they get the victory. Sea Eagles 25, Raiders 6. Masterclass showing. You know, Tommy Turbo does what Tommy Turbo does. Uh, we know Travojevic is injured now. He got an ankle, another ankle injury uh, and is going to be out for a month. But to me, the thing that really showed up was DCE. Daily Cherry Evans, uh, the kicking masterclass that he put on, um, I think, steered his club around and got them the victory. Cowboys 4, Roosters 28. Well, folks, I guess the Chooks might have woken up. And I guess we're going to find out this week how woke up they are. If they continue their destruction of Queensland tour. Um, But they took the frustration out on the cows. And that match wasn't even that close. Storm 44, Bulldog 0. The Fox return match. The Fox homecoming, I guess you could call. Was totally overshadowed by the homecoming king. Ryan Pappenhausen, uh, but wow! I, you know what? I have never been on that 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 Trent Barrett boat where a lot of people think that this guy is going to be the next great coach. I know he's done some great things with the Habs. I think he did some great stuff with Nathan Cleary when he was with the Penny Panthers. D- DCE still raves about the guy, but truthfully, I think what we're finding out is that Trent Barrett is going to be a great assistant coach. He's going to be a coach that you have working in your halves. I do not think he is head coach material. I don't. And I think we're seeing that more and more and more from how things ended at Manly. And now, we're going to get into this a little bit here about some news that is broken um, going into this round. But, But again, dogs go down without scoring a try. And finally, ending the round, Eels 48, Dragons 14, Mitchell Moses. Mitchell Moses... It, it's it's crazy to see. We've talked about games slowing down for players. And to me, I am watching a player, in Mitchell Moses, where the game is starting to start to beat slower. That he is able to see the field. He's able to orchestrate what he wants. His kicking game is flawless. Um, and I just think that Mitchell Moses is about ready to come into his prime. And I think we're watching that. Um, but anyway, he put on a great show in that in that de- demolition of once again a Dragons Club that everyone was thinking was going to be a top eight club this year. Uh, well, we might be we might have to revisit that. Now, Yushad Damas goes six for eight. We're on fire. We're doing well. We're picking up steam. Uh, we're hoping to keep this thing going. Uh, so we're we're, we're we're very happy about that. Now let's go into some. Some, some, some more deep information, a deeper dive into this round and this upcoming round coming up. Now, the buzz coming into this weekend, to me, all of us know, was Nathan Cleary, the rematch, Penny Panthers, Sassani Rabbitohs, Let's Go, all of that. But to me, I, I think the thing that really sh- stood out was DCE, Daily Cherry Evans. Uh, the guy put on a performance and I think we're gonna have to see more of that if if the Sea Eagles are planning to how should I say ride this wave of, of a two game winning streak like this, because there's always been that talk when when Turbo's not in the lineup that they are not the same club. The way the DCE played, I think that we saw what this team can be, but I think I think the question is still out. Can they still be that way without Turbo? But DCE, let's go over these numbers really quick. 666 kicking meters, two forced dropouts, 140-20, 120-40, and one field goal. And I, I, you know, when you see Ricky after a game, Ricky Stewart be almost, not have words For the performance he just saw from a player. But instead, hinting about the biggest coup might have been keeping DCE at Manly instead of letting him go up to the Gold Coast Titans. I think that tells you everything. Because the Raiders could do nothing. The Raiders could do nothing. Because they were being controlled and orchestrated by DCE and the way that he was conducting business and traffic with his kicking game. So, I, I think there's a reason... We see this. He might be out, He might not be that player that is like a, a supernova, a bright light in the sky. He is one of the top players in the game. But when DCE has it working, he is one of the best. And there's a reason he's a captain for the Queensland club. And I think we saw that again this week with Manley. So the question is, can he continue that up for the next four weeks when they really, really truthfully need him? Now, Fox League played a trailer all week with Matt Nable... Narrating it, big Matt Matt Nable fan. If you guys haven't watched the series Mr. In Between, it might be some of the best television I've seen for a very very long time. And Matt Nable pops up and in, in and out of there in that series. But again, I'm not getting paid for this. There's a free plug. Go check out Mr. In Between. I know a lot of my my friends down under they they already give a big a big thumbs up for the show. Uh, I've got three episodes left and I'm already almost going into morning that the series is almost over. But enough about Mr. In-Between and Matt Nable. What I'm saying is there's been a commercial that was running all week with Ryan Pappenhausen. It was almost like a pert commercial where he was throwing his his, his mullet around and, and showing his, his freakishness and they were showing plays about him and uh oh, Ryan Pappenhausen. Yes. But I have to say that there probably hasn't been a player that's lived up more to that type of press than what Pappenhausen did against the Bulldogs. He had four tries in the demolition, and I'm going to tell you something. He probably could have had five or six because he was streaking down the field and was right off the wing a couple times and right there for any type of play that could have been made towards him, uh, any type of pass, and he would have flipped gears and been gone. It's it it really makes me start to wonder what's going on in the fullback position because Turbo's injured again, and if you look at Pappenhausen, Pappenhausen is nowhere close to the size of Tommy. And I've always said Tom Turbo reminds me of a deer. Like he just seems a little bit fragile. Um and, and I don't think I think that's how I think that's how he's gonna be his whole career. I think he's gonna be a player that when he's In form and in strike is going to be something that people are like, I've never seen anything like it. But the question is, you can't drink a $1,000 bottle of wine every night. And unfortunately, there's 26 rounds in the regular season, playoffs. And I just don't think that he has got the body that can handle that type of rigor for an entire season without coming down with some type of injury um, somewhere along the line. But then you look at Ryan Pappenhausen, and Pappenhausen is nowhere, again, close to the size of this guy. He doesn't have the thickness uh, and, and, and the muscular breakdown of Teddy. And the guy just, you know, besides that that head knock he got uh, last season, he does not really get hurt. Knock on wood, because I don't want to hex the guy. But Ryan Pappenhausen is a freak. And he's a freak, so much so that again, the West Tigers gave up on him. And we know the West Tigers aren't the best judge of talent, right? We don't even need, need to go down that list again. But letting a guy like Pappenhausen, you don't think, yeah, Dane Laurie's an alright player, but you don't think that if, if if Pappenhausen was back there, what the Tigers Tigers could be like. But what I'm thinking, and, and I'm and I'm really gonna put it, you know, I'm posing a question to you, Shedheads, is is Ryan Pappenhausen the best fullback For the Blues going into Origin this year. And I know we've got some rounds left. But Turbo's not going to be 100% healthy. Tedesco is, I think we've seen the best days of Teddy behind us. He's not going to have that breakaway speed. He's still going to have playmaking ability. But he's not going to have that elite, elite speed. He's going to have smarts. He's going to start shifting into that Anthony Minichiello type of player. Uh, Manny used to be lightning, and then he went to just being efficient, he used to be thorough, and he used to just lead, right? And I'm wondering if that transition's happening to to Teddy. Uh, But Tedesco's still got a lot of game left, not saying he's not, but you've got a freakish talent in Ryan Pappenhausen, a guy that is so elite that he can change the game with one run. And and I'm not saying it's going to happen this year, but I think it's right around the corner, because Rumblings already are starting if Turbo should be moved to the centers. And, you know, a lot of people were laughing about that to start the season. But again, with another injury, you start wondering if that might be the best place to keep Turbo safe and keep him a little bit more healthy for the season. And I know time will only tell. But I think, to me, the most important thing is Ryan Pappenhausen. Is he the future fullback For the Blues. We'll have to wait to see but I'm just kind of putting it out there now I don't even know how to to even begin with this but rumor has been coming down that this weekend this round there's going to be an immense crackdown on the 40 20 oh excuse me the six again rule I almost said 40 20 I wish right the six again rule there's been a lot of talk that they put the ref the, the whistles away the referees have not been blowing six again enough and that a lot of the slowdown of play has been occurring again. Blah blah blah. Now, I really want to address this because the game has been okay. Okay. It's been it's been pretty pretty good. You know, I, 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 I still think there's way too much stopping and starting in the game compared to the game that I used to watch. Um But I think we're getting in dangerous ground. And I think the NRL is becoming too reactionary. I think it is becoming too much like a rubber band that, that when you pull it, it, pull, it snaps, it comes back really hard and it stings you, right? And I think that they're in some dangerous ground that could really cost them later on down the line if they don't get this under control. And the, what I want to kind of point back to when I talk about this is, again, I just said, I've been watching the game for 12 years now and it's not the same game it was. I know things change, blah, 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 but it... it it is, doesn't have that free flow like it used to. There's too many whistles being blown. There's too much head high head contact. It's this and that. And, and I'm sorry, if there's malicious intent involved, you blow that whistle. But if a guy falls into a tackle and gets hit in the head, or a guy, you know, I don't want to see swinging arms. If we can tell there's a swinging arm, you call that. But if it's a if it's a you know if it's a, a unfortunate hit to the head that you can see was not intentional, you've got to let that play on. Either that or you put the guys in helmets, and no one wants to wear a helmet because they think the code is being breached, unless you're Kalen Ponga, or 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 Jerome Hughes. But there's only there's something else you have to do, and I'd rather see the guys all wearing buckets on their head than I would the amount of stopping and starting and high contact and all that. So anyway. The six-again rule that they're going to allegedly crack down this weekend is going to be more whistles, more starting and stopping, more judgment calls. And I, and I think we've, we're missing the boat here. We're missing the boat big time. Now, I'm gonna, I want to kind of point to some games that I was really, really fond of that really have taken a step back to me too. I used to, and I've told you over and over again, I love hockey. And the NHL, to me, lost its way. First off, when they hired Gary Bettman, I'm not even going to go into, I could I could do an entire hour talking to me about how Gary Bettman being brought into the NHL has ruined the NHL. But that's something else. You don't bring a basketball guy in to run a hockey organization. That's, that's just, let's that's not even, I'm not doing that. But a major rule that came down with the NHL was they did a penalty called the instigator penalty. And what the instigator penalty did was it made it that You really couldn't self-police, meaning if you messed with one of my star players, I couldn't pummel you. I couldn't beat you up. But it was a self-policing thing because that wasn't really happening anyway. Enforcers usually fought enforcers, so on and so forth. But if you did get a little frisky with your stick, if you did spear a guy, if you did try to take out my best player, there was going to be consequences to action, right? But now there's the instigator penalty, which means if a guy does something like that, you're gone, buddy. You're out of there. And it to me, it changed the whole way the game is played. I think it's changed the whole mentality of the game. There's not a toughness in the NHL. And I'm not by any means saying NHL or hockey players aren't tough. But it's a different type of toughness. It's not the toughness from back in the day. It's not a toughness, a matter of guy, guys let up on hits now. You used to follow through on that. Thank God, and I'm going to tell you this right now. Thank God we still have playoff hockey. Because the rest of the hockey during the regular season is... I don't want to say subpar because these are still the most elite players in the world, but it doesn't have that same buzz to me. It doesn't. It just doesn't have that same buzz. So that's what the NHL did to kind of ruin their product. The NFL is still trying to ruin their product as we as we speak. And the first thing that came down was the roughing the passer penalty. And when the quarterbacks and you know me, I was an ex quarterback. I I have no problem taking a hit, but to me. Taking a hit as a quarterback is kind of like taking the line on. If you're going to run up into the line in the NRL or in Rugby League, you're going to get crushed. You're going to get cracked and you deserve to be hit. That's part of the play. If you're going to attack the line, there's going to be consequences. But you have to bring people in. It's no different than option football. The quarterback goes around the end. He holds the ball to the last minute. Then he pitches it because he pulls in. Either that corner, or he pulls in that linebacker. I bring him in. I pitch the ball out, and the sideline opens. Right? Okay. But all of a sudden, now quarterbacks are not being treated like football players. We don't want to put our full weight on them. We'd hate for you to pull their full weight on them, and you know, and break that china doll's body. And it just, you know, it what it became is again a judgment call where a guy who's never played the position in zebra stripes is got a whistle in his mouth, and some players, Aaron Rodgers <coughs> and uh, Tom Brady, <coughs> those guys get that that call all the time, and your Patrick Mahomes and certain other players who are a little bit more athletic don't get it. So again, it's a judgment call. And to me, sports can't be a judgment call. It's either it's a penalty or it's not a penalty, right? It's a penalty for everybody or it's not a penalty for everybody. So they did that. And to me, that just left a, sad, a sour taste in my mouth too. But then they've gone in this last season and put the taunting penalty. Oh boy, I would hate to hurt a grown man's feelings by calling him a utter bag. Uh oh, better throw a flag. I'd hate for for a six foot five linebacker's feelings to be hurt that I called him a bag. Oh boy, like what are we doing? These are grown men. The stuff that is said inside of huddles, inside of locker rooms, is stuff that you probably aren't going to say to your mom, probably not going to say to your girlfriend unless it's one of those great nights. You're not going to say that type of stuff. And that's fine. We know what we sign up for when we run out on the field, and that's every professional athlete. You know what you sign up for. It is the alphas. You're the best. If you are in the NFL, the NHL, the NRL, the AFL, you are leaked. And if you can't handle somebody giving you the business or or give or talking trash to you because you missed a goal or or couldn't put a try down or you or you fumbled a ball, you need to get into maybe real estate. Okay? But don't change the flow of the game and change the integrity of the game because you called somebody a dog. It's, it's the stupidest thing in the world. And it, and it is the reason that. And we've talked about this before on this show. The NFL has taken a huge step back in my eyes. It just has. Because it's not, again, the same product. It's just it's too much control by the referees, and it allows them to put a narrative into the game. And that's what I don't want. I want the athletes on the field to control the game. I want the athletes on the field to be the reason one team wins and the other team loses. And that is it. So I guess we're going to have to keep our eyes open. And I I challenge you, Shedheads, to keep track of how many six again calls happen this weekend compared to the first. And again, I already know NRL 360 and all the shows that talk about the game, we're going to be all about this this coming week. Hopefully, who knows, maybe this is a smoke show. Maybe that's not going to happen. But I find that hard to believe. So we'll have to wait and see. So hopefully we're not talking about six again, six again next week. But I have a feeling we will be. Now, going into the injury ward for the week, we've got some major injuries. We've already talked about it. Turbo MCL four weeks for the Sea Eagles. The Cowboys, some people call him the Cheetah. I call him the Hammer. Hamasai Taboy Fido. PCL tear, it's at least three weeks for him. So I don't know if that means Val Holmes is going back into the fullback position or are you going to bring drink water in? Albert Kelly, the brawling Albert Kelly. We're not going into that on this show. Uh, But the Broncos, Albert Kelly, lower leg injury. I don't know what it is, if it's an ankle. Uh, It looked like it was a foot situation. They haven't really gone into much detail about it. And Pat Kerrigan, MCL. Those boys are looking like they're going to be out for a little bit of time, uh, a month for sure for Kerrigan, and we don't know about Albert Kelly. Mark Nichols, you saw, uh, you know, uh, Clint Eastwood's big uh, addition to the Dolphins for next season, Mark Nichols is going to be out with a syndesmosis injury, Uh, and so who knows how those injuries heal up. So we're looking for a little bit of time on the sideline for him. And then the big news, and this guy isn't a player, but it's a guy that either you love him or hate him, and I will admit that I love him. Gus Gould, the the, the icon, the legend, is really doing it tough with COVID right now, I've heard. And that's scary because, you know, Gus isn't a young, young, young man, and, and Gus is lived a little bit of a wild side when he was back uh, doing his thing. But Gus Gould has got COVID. And like I said, we're, we're thinking about him here on Outside the Sheds. And hopefully he heals up for us. But uh, yeah, that's, that wasn't good news to hear. Now, I want we've talked about a lot of negative things. You've seen me now on my soapbox giving people the business. But I want to talk about a positive story right now. And a player that I've enjoyed uh, watching... I've not watched him enough because I think he's been given the raw business here at the Canterbury Bulldogs, but it has been named that Kyle Flanagan will be in the seven jersey, playing halfback this week for the Canterbury Bulldogs. And again, I, we talked about Barrett and his the, the halves genius for some reason can't find a halves pairing that he likes because he has now another combination, but. He's been giving it, and, and I, I, you know, you can try to say that it hasn't been personal. Excuse me, but something's going on because Kyle's been sent down, he's been playing junior grade and all this stuff. Now, the funny thing is, he has scored more points playing in the lower division than the Canterbury Bulldogs has as a team. But the problem that I have is, again, it looks like they're bringing Kyle Flanagan up and setting him up for failure. By bringing him in, because the next two sides, the Bulldogs face, are the Penny Panthers this week, and next week, the Rabbitohs. The two grand final teams, and you're going to bring this kid in to audition and to play his best footy. And I and I, I don't understand it. I, I I feel for him a little bit. I'm hoping it's this. And here's, here's something, Shedheads, that I don't think a lot of people have been talking about. But I'm thinking possibly... Keep our fingers crossed, could be what it is. I've heard that there's already a deal on the table that if Madge does not win this week, that we could see movement with the Tigers camp that brings Shane Flanagan in and could set Luke Brooks to Canterbury and bring Kyle Flanagan over to the West Tigers. Not saying it's going to happen. To me, I would love it. I'd love to see Kyle Kyle uh, Flanagan t- teaming up with Jackson Hastings in the halves. Uh, until Adam Dewey comes back, and then we'll, we'd have a three-headed monster that we'd have to figure out. But it would be interesting to see him. And I think, he, I think he needs to get out of Canterbury as much as Luke Brooks needs to get out of the Tigers. I think a change of scenery for both players would do them wonders. And I think Kyle would play incredible under his father again. So hopefully that that's what's going on here. We're just trying to see that the Canterbury Bulldogs know they're not going to beat the Penny Panthers, but they want to show the Tigers what type of player Kyle Flanagan can can be. So, if it happens, you heard it here on Outside the Sheds from your Shed Adamas, but we'll have to see. So, let's go into into this week's matches and get our picks in. We start the round off tonight, this morning, whatever you want to say. Sea Eagles versus the Knights big Thursday night clash and a clash that really to me is going to say something about both these teams because we already know you know Kalen Ponga already got in his car with his daddy and they drove up to talk to to Wayne Bennett and the Dolphins blah 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 we know that that is coming to a head that a decision is going to have to be made about his future but I'm I don't care I think DCE and the boys I think Manly wins over the Knights to kick off the round. Friday, Cowboys versus the Warriors. I know the Warriors haven't shown me a lot, but I for some reason do feel that in a game that's kind of a a game that has a lot of feeling to it because, you know, we've got old coaches involved from from both clubs. We're not gonna we're not gonna hex anybody by talking about that again. But I'm taking the Warriors and Sean Johnson over the Cowboys. Then we have Roosters versus the Broncos, the Roosters on their Queensland swing. I've got the Chookies hammering the Broncos on Friday night. Saturday, we've got the Melbourne Storm against the Raiders. I don't think that that's even a... a even though it is it is sticky against Bellyache, good friends. Uh, you never know how that's going to affect situations. But I still have the Storm over the Raiders. Then we have the Dragons versus the Rabbitohs. Again, the Dragons have shown me no reason to believe or to pick them. Uh, I'm going with the Rabbitos there, and then to finish off Super Saturday we've got the Eels versus the Titans, and I was back and forth on this because I do think the Titans are about ready to come into some good strike, but I am gonna go with the I'm going with the Eels. I'm going, Dom. That's right. I'm going with your Parramatta Eels to beat the Titans. Sunday we kick it off, Tigers versus the Sharks. Tigers versus the Sharks, it's so tough, where do I, I where do I go? Well, I'm going with the Sharks. And I think this could be the, the beginning of magic where we get a little bit of more Sharks blood. If a lot of people remember back in the early 2010s, a lot of players from the Tigers went across, uh, Bo Ryan, uh, and, and some of the players went across to the Sharkies, and that's why I call them the Tiger Sharks. So it's a, it's the Tiger-Shark battle, and I'm taking the Sharks. Sunday, to finish it off, Panthers versus the Kyle Flanagan-led Bulldogs. I'm hoping that this is the one I get wrong. I hope an episode happens. I don't see it happening. I just hope Kyle Flanagan plays incredibly well. But I've got the Panthers and Cleary winning that. As we transition to on the mark to our, our, our other love and passion, the AFL, I want to start off by saying again... Your Shed Adams is on fire. He went seven for nine in his picks for the AFL. And let's get into these matches. We started off the round with his with one of his only two misses. The Swannies 60, the Western Bulldogs 71. The Doggies holding off a late charge by the Swans, but they get the victory. Bombers 70, Demons 99. You start to wonder if this is about ready to become another long season for the Essendon Bombers. Power 92, Crows 96, Dawson kicking a a goal to seal the fate of the Power after the Siren. I don't know if there's been another club in the AFL in the last five years that have lost more games after the Siren in key games than the Port Adelaide Power. That one really stings, even though I picked it. That one really stings for Port Adelaide and Ken Inkling. Suns, 57. Giants, 83. Cats, 104. Magpies, 91. The Cats in the Selwood game. Doing a big comeback, big charge. We're getting ready to go into that as we go into a deeper dive on on the mark. But uh, Cats getting the victory there. Roos, 48. Lions, 156. I don't think we need to talk about that one too much right there since it was so close. Hawks 73, Blues 74. The magical beginning to the season continues for the Carlton Blues. You wonder what more they have in store. But, you know, as they continue to march, that's three rounds now, you know the confidence is building. This team is starting to believe in itself. The Voss train is running through there. Uh, Congratulations, the Blues with a victory. Tigers 84, Saints 117. It's really showing to me the Tigers are really missing Prestia and Dusty. And we don't know when those either one of those two will be back. But the Tigers better write this ship. They better get themselves together. I know Dima was really upset about some of the play, some of the defense. But they've got to really write this thing and write it quickly. And then finally, to end the round... Dockers 102, Eagles 47, Woo. West Coast Eagles. I don't know if I see your SOS beacon yet, but I think you're about ready to hit that thing because we're about ready to lose you at sea. and I think that it could get way worse before it gets better, um, and the Dockers hammered him, and that's usually a tight, tight game uh, when those two come to, come to blows, but um, I think the Eagles are in real trouble. I think the Eagles are in real trouble. Now, as we go into that deeper dive, like I said we were going to, I want to start with with the, the captain of captains in the AFL. I want to talk about Joel Selwood. I want to talk about him passing Stephen Kernishan, Kernahan's uh, record. Look, I like how I brutalized that. Um, but the crazy thing is, even though that was a beautiful thing and Geelong Cats fans were enjoying it, they, 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 they loved to see... The, the, that, that honor being bestowed on one of the greats of the game in Joel but the game overshadowed that moment and that doesn't happen often that doesn't happen often when a team, they wanted to play hard for, for a player but it almost looked like the Cats were asleep until the third quarter because the Cats were trailing by 30 points in the third to, a, to their really despised rival in Collingwood. And they finish the last quarter. they kicked the last seven goals of the game. Coming back from that 30-point deficit. Jeremy Cameron, I think, is coming into his own. I think that this jersey is starting to feel right to him a little bit. Because he had three of his six goals kicked in the last quarter. It is going to be a night that they talk about in Geelong for a very, very long time. And I think... I love it when a guy that that is that deserves all the accolades that they that they are getting bestowed upon them. I love it when a fairy tale ending happens, and I know Selwood was trying to pull out his fake extensions. I mean, his hair. I mean, uh, was pulling at his head about that situation that they looked like they were getting ready to get find themselves in uh, after the first three quarters. But uh, it was awesome to see Geelong rally and to come back and to get the victory for the captain. We're just going to call him the captain because he is the captain of the AFL. Now, as we go from the positives of of Joel Selwood and his great celebration, we go to the negatives. And like your Shetadamas predicted, the Port Adelaide Power go down to the Adelaide Crows. In, well, I, I don't know if you, excuse me, have sat back and watched it, but the clash is one of the best games to watch if you're an AFL fan, even if you don't have a dog in the fight, because both these teams do not like each other. And this clash lived up to the expectation. It was dirty. It was seedy. It had uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It definitely had a a a nastiness to it, which I love. I love all three of those when you can throw those ingredients into a into a dish and let's let's serve that thing up piping hot, right? Um, but I think the bigger, the bigger, bigger question is, after everything happened, after Dawson stealed the fate for the power with his kick after the siren, this brings Port Adelaide to a start of 0-3. You've got a coach in Ken Hinckley who has been under the torch a little bit over the last few seasons. He's gotten votive confidences. He's had um, administrations say that Ken Hinckley is their guy. Uh, he has got the power to the brink uh, numerous amounts of times, including, um, you know, last season, last two seasons, really. But you start to wonder how much longer Port Adelaide is going to, how should I say, go with this. And I will tell you, the problem for Ken Hinckley is they easily could start this season 0-5. Easily start this season 0-5. Because they have, starting tonight as well, they've got the Melbourne Demons coming to Adelaide Oval, which very much you'd have to say the Demons are the favorite with all the guys and all the players that are still out injured for Port Adelaide. And then they play the Upstart Blues, a team that if they get a victory, like I think they're going to this week, could be 4-0, and they could be 0-4. And if that really comes to pass, you have to favor the Carleton Blues to get that victory. And then what happens then? A team that I picked to be in the top four, a team that I thought had a chance to to, to really play and was in contention for a flag, is now and possibly 0-5. And, and I don't think any of us are expecting a team to pull a Richmond Tigers and come back and just run over the top and 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 change their season that much. Because for the power to actually bolster themselves and to get here we go Janet, recharged they're going to have to get certain players back and right now with Lear Lear hurt um, who is a defensive Star stalwart there uh, you know Dersma is still is still shaking up you know and we don't even want to talk about the big boy the big bearded fella up front they need those guys back because if they don't get them back uh I think the Port Adelaide Power are in trouble. And and I'm going to tell you something. If they do go on 0-5, they will not finish in the top four. And they possibly won't even play Finals football. So it's going to be interesting to see if Ken Hinckley can coach them up. If he can coach for his job, which he could be right now. Uh, and if he gets the power back in the swing and gets them plugged back in. Now, speaking of the Carlton Blues, we, we talked that they could be starting the season 4-0. And possibly 5-0 if they come through and and beat port adelaide the special start to the season continues and i think if you're a blues fan i I think that you have to feel so incredible about your season right now uh i know how passionate carlton blues fans are i know how passionate they can be when they're especially winning and it's been a long time it's been a long time since they felt this type of success but I think why you should feel positive if you're if you're a Carlton Blues fan is the match that just happened this last round. There's 74, let's go over this again, 74-73 victory over the Hawthorne Hawks and a high-flying Hawthorne Hawks team. A team that was coming for them late. A team that I thought might even go over the top of them. And this is where it changes. Because in the past... And I think even you blue supporters will admit to this. In the past, Carlton gets run down. Hawthorne goes over the top of him. And we're talking later on about how Carlton has to find a way to shore it up and win those type of games, right? That's what we'd be talking about. But instead, we've got a young man in Jack Salvini who finally, I, I'm not saying that he's there yet. But he kicked a major goal in that fourth quarter that helped stabilize the systems and, and help steer his team home. And he had three goals in the game. And I think that type of stuff that you're seeing, young players that have really had their head kicked in, and I hate saying it that way, but have really been brutalized wearing that, that Navy jersey are now finding ways to win. And when teams start finding ways to win, they start believing that they deserve to win. And when they start believing they deserve to win, that continues to breed. It gets bigger and bigger and bigger. It's the first time since 2012 that Carlton has started the season 3-0. And I really believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, Blues fans, you're going to be able to celebrate this year. Because by every means, you're playing finals football. But I think you could push for a top four finish if you guys continue to build in your belief and you don't come down with injury. I think that's how good of football Carlton's playing. And I, we're going to see a lot from them these next two rounds because if they can, if they can start five and I think the sky's the limit. And this could be one of those seasons that we're talking about kind of like Richmond in 2017, where no one really saw it coming. And then all of a sudden there they are. So congratulations Congratulations, congratulations to the Carlton Blues! I'm so happy for you. It's good to see a team that has such devout, faithful fans be rewarded finally. Now I'm not going to talk about this too much, um, but I. Speaking of Hawthorne, there's some really bad, bad press coming out of Hawthorne right now about their ex-great um, Cyril Rioli, um, possibly. Re- having retired from Hawthorne early because of some some words said to his wife about ripped jeans from from a big wig in the organization, from the club, and I'm not going to start just naming names here or anything like this on the show, but I think to me this goes back to talking about an incident because, you know, Tex Walker comes back this week for the Adelaide Crows after he's, after he you know after he served now his 6 game 6 match suspension for his racial abuse um and i and i think what we're finding out is racism is here um it is still very much alive it's very much you know i i you know i i don't want to even go talk to you about what happens over here in the united states cuz we're talking about australia right now but i think the only way that racism and that type of stuff goes away is slowly unfortunately and I know a lot of people will say well 400 years is pretty damn slow I agree but my feeling about it is this the only way anything gets fixed is if we address it and admit there's a problem you've got to do that and Hawthorne has actually come up as a club and said that they're going to do an investigation on these seri and uh, the, the, these, these, these things that have been said might have transpired but they're not promising that there's going to be any sanctions or actions taken because of them. Well, what? So you're going to admit possibly that all this stuff occurred, but you're not going to do anything or nothing's going to come of it. And you've already put that out there. So when you put something out there like that, that's pretty much telling everybody that's what's going to happen, that you're not going to do anything about this. And I, and to me, it, to me that's kind of like what we're talking about over here in America we keep talking about this January 6th we've got this group of people that are checking into, you know 47 minutes where the quote unquote President of the United States goes underground while the Capitol is being attacked but we don't need to really do anything about it, we don't need to hold anybody accountable for it well, well folks, if people don't get held accountable for doing things that are not right the system's broken it's broken and if you don't want to address it, if you don't want to admit it, that's fine. But the system is broken. And, 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 and you, people need to be held accountable. If you're driving 120 miles per hour down the, down the freeway and a police officer sees you, if he looks the other way and just says, ah, he must have to get home quickly. I'm just going to act like I didn't see that. The system is broken. No, he has to turn the lights on. He has to run you down. And instantly, what do you do? Unless you're a a devout, devout criminal, you slow down and go, oh, beep, expletive, and you pull over. And you start thinking about what you're going to say to the officer of why you're doing 105 miles per hour. But you have to be pulled over. And everybody, as you're driving down the road doing indiscretions like that, what is the first thing you're saying? I hope I don't see a cop. I hope I don't see a police officer. Because you know you're doing wrong. You know you're doing wrong. And if you when you do get pulled over, you don't ever get mad at the cop. You don't ever get mad at the police officer because you know you've been doing wrong. There's consequence to actions. There's consequences to actions. And that's the difference between us as human beings and, quote, unquote, any other animal. Which I don't know if I 100% believe that. Because guess what happens? In a wolf pack, if somebody's acting like a jackass, guess what happens? One of those wolves takes you to task, to, to get you in line, because the pack is the most important thing. Well, if that's the case in the animal kingdom, you have to make sure, since we're allegedly the smartest animal on the planet, that if you do wrong, there is action. There's consequence for action. So it's going to be interesting to see. I, I'm really, I don't know if they don't understand Hawthorne, but people are watching their reaction to this. And they better react the right way. Or, again, Hawthorne, a club that that you know has some players that are, are ethnic by every means, uh, this is going to be something they will remember. So, interesting to see. And we'll have to watch this going forward. Now, let's go into picks for round four uh, for the AFL. We started off Demons at the Power up at Adelaide Oval. And I'm going to go with the flag. The men that are wearing that flag. The D's over the power. Friday, Lions versus the Cats. I think the hangover from the Selwood match, the 30-point comeback. I'm going with that high-flying Brisbane Lions. And then the Ruse versus the Swans. I know there's been a call to arms for the Ruse after their beatdown they took this last week. But I think that you're going to also see a team coming off a loss I think we're going to see the Sydney Swans over the Roos. Saturday, Eagles versus the Magpies. I think the Pies, by every means, destroy the Eagles. Bulldogs versus the Tigers. Whew. I think this could be one of the best matches of the round. I'm going to still go with the Bulldogs. Giants versus the Dockers. I know the Dockers uh, are coming off a, a, a real a real impressive outing against their... Their hated rival in the Eagles. And I know the Giants got a victory. But I still think the Dockers are going to build off of that momentum they had. And they continue winning. Then the Tex Walker return match. The Crows versus the Bombers. I'm going with with the emotion of having Tex back with the team. I've got the Crows over the Bombers. Sunday, Saints versus the Hawks. This is going to be a real, real tricky game. It's one I kept going back and forth with. But I'm taking the Saints over Hawthorne. I think that was a little bit of a gut-wrenching loss against Carlton. And I think we might have a two-week hangover from that. So I'm taking the Saints. And then finally, Blues versus the Suns. You know that I was very much on the Suns train. But I very much have changed my boarding pass. And I think the Carlton Blues will handle the Suns. Now as we go into the guns for this week, it was tough. I'm saying we had a lot of players... That how should I said step their game up and really really took their game to the next level, but I think it was an it was an easy one. I've got Jerry Jeremy Cameron is my number one. Six goals, one behind, fourteen disposals, thirteen kicks, one handball, nine marks, one tackle, three hundred and twenty six meters gain in his masterclass performance uh, in the Selwood Tribute match. Uh, And the victory for Geelong. Number two, Ryan Pappenhausen. The Ferrari. The the, the long-haired Ferrari. Four tries. Six for eight conversions. 188 running meters. Three line breaks. One line break assist. One try assist. Three tackle breaks. Eight tackles made. 31 kicking meters. Uh, Pappenhausen really put it on him. Uh, I I, I really think as as long as he stays healthy um, with the key signings of Hughes and Harry Grant, it sounds like the band's going to stay together for a while. I do probably see Cameron Munster being out of Melbourne, uh, especially after word got out that he had been only offered 750 by the Storm to stay there. But uh, I think the, the Storm are in good hands, and I think they've got the fullback for the foreseeable future in the back form. And then finally, my number three gun, Mitchell Moses. Two tries, eight for eight conversions, 105 running meters, two line breaks, one line break assist, two try assists, one tackle break, 15 tackles made, and 460 kicking meters. Mitchell Moses, like I talked about earlier, I think is coming into his own. And I think he's only going to get better. So there are guns. And what performances these guys all had. Now, as we go on outside the bubble, I, I don't like to start with a, on somber notes. But today is a is a huge, huge day. And I know a lot of you might not even know about it. But four years ago to this day, a real tragic tragic situation happened up in Saskatchewan. The, a team, a hockey team called the Humboldt Broncos... Got in a major, major accident with a semi-trailer, with a, with a big rig. And it killed 16 people. And 10 of those, excuse me, yes, 10 of those were players for the team. There were 13 other players, or excuse me, 13 other people injured in the accident as well. But it is a tragic, tragic day in Canada. And I don't think, I think as we see... In Australia, the country is divided between NRL and AFL, right? America, there's so many professional organizations. Who knows, right? In Canada, hockey is life. Hockey is life. And everybody comes out for their local clubs. Um, You're talking a juniors team that had its own broadcaster on the bus who perished also in the accident. So we're not talking about, you know, some scrub organization. Hockey down to the moment that pond freezes is the lifeblood of Canada. Some people say it's maple syrup, I say it's hockey. And so there will be a lot of tributes tonight from Canadian teams. I think you will see it all across the N- the NHL tonight. And To me, it makes me think, because today I was wearing my humble Broncos t-shirt. And it makes me think, you know, this was just a team that was traveling. And I think you never know, we never know when it's our time. We hope it's a long time from now, hopefully. Uh, Especially now that, you know, some of us are still, you know, watching the world and seeing that COVID is still there. Some people are acting like it doesn't even exist. I understand. But I think this last few years we've come to terms and and into grips with the standpoint that nothing is forever and we don't know how much time we have here and these young men and, and and the staff and the people that were on board that were affected and are still affected to this day um the ones that survived we don't know when it's that time that it could be one of our most pivotal times. And, and you guys know my story. I, I've told you about my bad car accident that I was in, um, that they couldn't believe I survived. But it, it, it just makes you pause and makes you think. But I definitely wanted to bring some notes. I wanted to bring uh, to light this team, uh, that these young men, that are some of them are still struggling. Some of them are still fighting. I think the word is fighting. Let's not use struggling. Are still fighting to take back as much of their lives as they can because there were some serious, serious injuries from this from this accident. Um, and then I want to make sure I, I take note to the people that are to this day thinking and paying tribute to their lost ones that they lost, especially children. I'm saying parents, you never get over that. You know, I you never get over that. So um, shout out to the humble Broncos into hockey and to a a country that I'm I'm quite fond of, the, the country of Canada, um, and, and to think that we're thinking about you and we're sending out well wishes and that we're that you're in our thoughts and prayers for today. Now, as we transition away from that sad story and, and, and honoring the humble Broncos, we move on to the national championship game in college basketball. It was the Kansas Jayhawks against the North Carolina Tar Heels. Kansas ended up prevailing in winning 72-69, coming back from the greatest comeback in NCAA basketball history. They were down by, I think, 16 at halftime. But I think my problem with all of it, and I promised people that I was going to talk about this, I was not rooting for Kansas. I've got nothing against the state of Kansas. Not the most exciting state. Very, very flat. I know Dorothy's from there. I've got people that I love dearly. That live right out, right in Kansas, outside of Kansas. You know, you know that whole Kansas City area. Half of them are Missourians, half of them are in misery, half of them are in Kansas, right? Anyway, I want to talk about something that to me really leaves a bad taste in my mouth, and that is the Kansas Jayhawks and them being able to celebrate a victory in a championship that they to me don't deserve to have. And they are still under. Five level one violations labeled egregious and severe by the NCAA. Okay? So you have a club that just got done winning a championship that are under investigation. Not just by the NCAA, but by the FBI, which stands for the Federal Bureau of Investigation. And the most disgusting thing about this championship that Kansas won isn't about bill self in kansas because i'm gonna tell you something right now i am a fan of bill self i've always liked the man i've always enjoyed listening to his interviews i've always enjoyed watching him coach and i've enjoyed the product he's put out on the field i've enjoyed the tenacity that the kansas team always plays with i enjoy i enjoyed bill self when he was actually back at oklahoma state okay i think he's a great coach but he cheated and kansas cheated and a lot of you don't know what happened, that what was happening is their major sponsor is Adidas, okay? And Adidas had two representatives that are in jail right now, folks. Let's get this straight. Shedheads, two of these men are in jail for going out to the top-tier elite basketball players and offering them money to come play for Kansas and to wear Adidas shoes, okay? Okay? Now, with text messages and all this type of stuff, it has been implicated that Bill Self knew exactly what was going on, all right? And let me tell you something. When you're the top coach at a program that is Kansas, Alabama, Texas, USC, you know what's going on with your program and your organization, all right? And you know so much so because players are probably saying, hey, coach, you know, I was contacted by Adidas. Uh, Is that all right? You know what's going on. But instead, I did not hear one organization. I did not hear one media outlet. I did not hear ESPN. I did not hear TNT. I did not hear TBS. I didn't hear anybody mention the cloud that is still over the Kansas Jayhawks program. Now in this day of media, this day of we want to know everything, this day of, you know what, uh, the Instagram followers, I've got 2,000 of them. In this day and age where people are in uproar because of the Ukraine, because of the videos that are coming out, folks, war is hell. It is horrible. And there's been plenty of horrible things that have happened around this world and nothing against the Ukraine because I am in sympathy and I definitely stand with the Ukraine because they're being invaded and they shouldn't be. But my problem is there's been horrible things that have happened around this world for the dawn of time. But the problem and the difference is now we all have cell phones. And we can all see the the horrible things that happen. We can see the bodies in the streets. We can see shelling. We can see hospitals get blown up. We can see all that stuff. Instead of people just talking about them or a family member coming back from war and telling you about the atrocities of war, we can see this stuff. What I'm saying is the media is there. And if anybody says it's fake news, you're an idiot, first off, because it is media it is news okay i've got a degree in mass communications and a minor in a minor in philosophy and religion okay i know about media i've been a member of media media is important because it gets the story out it's not about watching somebody do a 5 second video on a dance that they're putting together okay that's not media real media is getting the word out to people okay we have everything right we have every news story. We have everything, and I've seen since this has happened only two writers, and there's probably more, but I'm saying only two big writers that have written stories talking about how a, a the, the 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 guy who runs the NCA is having to hand the trophy over to the coach of Kansas while he's being investigated, and then calls them the Kansas City Jayhawks instead of just the Kansas Jayhawks. It's dirty, shed heads. It is dirty. It is dirty. And North Carolina, who was in that championship game too, don't forget, this is the same North Carolina club that they found players signed up and getting credits for classes that they weren't even showing up for. But we're still getting good grades. And guess what? No sanctions. No sanctions. None. So when people try to tell you that this you know new this new line this new world of of junior sports and college sports no it's always been that way people just want to look the other way when 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 bad things happen unless you're a small team if you're a small college or university then they'll try to make a point of putting down that you know you can't be doing that cuz you're bullies The NCAA are bullies. And when they can take it and try to show their power by going after a Boise State because they had recruits that were staying and sleeping on a dorm floor. Oh, we're going to make Boise State. Yeah. Yeah, you are. Because Boise State doesn't have the the attorneys and the alum fan base to fight back at the NCAA. The NCAA is a, a joke. And really, college athletics is a joke. And I'm a huge college sports fan but I don't feel the same way about it because I know the amount of money that is going through everybody's hands. So I just want you guys, Shedheads, to really look at the truth about what's going on out there and to see that, yes, Kansas played incredible basketball, but they didn't deserve to be there. They didn't deserve to be there. They needed to be banned from, or, from, from tournament play. And, and nothing is probably going to happen to them. And you wonder why this world is in the shambles that it's in because there's no consequences for doing bad things anymore. No consequences to actions. Unless you're somebody small or somebody that can be picked on or a minority group or somebody else. But besides that, we just look the other way. We just look the other way. And it looks like it's that way in college basketball. Now, a couple other big things because I need to get that dirty taste out of my mouth. Tiger Woods, it looks like he's going to tee off and going to play the Masters this year. I know this means a lot for a lot of you out there. Myself, I'm not the biggest golf guy, but it doesn't mean a story is not a story. And it's pretty incredible to see Tiger coming all the way back and going to play in the tournament that he loves best. And somebody asked him, Tiger, do you think you can win this thing? And he said yes. And I will tell you something about Tiger Woods. If Tiger Woods didn't feel like he could compete at the Masters and win it, he wouldn't play it. He wouldn't play. And people are saying, well, you know, I just hope Tiger can finish his round. Tiger's going to be on finish his round. Because Tiger would not play it to embarrass himself if he didn't feel good about himself. I'm telling you that right now. So do not be surprised if you see Tiger right there. I'm not saying he's going to win it. But he's not going to just be somebody that's sitting on the wall saying, I'm just happy to have a pimento sandwich. Not happening. Tiger will be there. And the question is is does he have enough match play to keep him mentally strong to win the tournament? And that's what it is. Everyone knows golf is just a mentally strong game. It's a game that you know, everyone's got the till the school the excuse me, the tools and the skills. The question is do you have the belief and the raw courage to pull it off? And Tiger's always proved that he has raw courage in that. But the question is does he compete and I think he will. And then to finish it off To finish off this episode, we want to talk about the ultimate train wreck in professional sports right now, and that is the Los Angeles Lakers, who last night were eliminated from their chance of playing in the playoffs with probably one of the greatest players, if not the greatest player in the NBA right now, LeBron James, who did not take the floor last night because of injury, Street Clothes Davis did, I mean Anthony Davis did, Um, Russell Westbrook did. But the Los Angeles Lakers, a team that some people thought were going to contend for the championship, aren't even going to make the playoffs. And a lot of players and a lot of people say that it comes down to AD not playing and that Russell Westbrook wasn't a fit. You, we all can say all those things. But the only thing I can tell you for sure is the Lakers are golfing. Or, whoa, whoa. Well, uh, I apologize. Timeout. Let me take a deep breath. One, two, three, Cancun. One more time. One, two, three, Cancun. So I guess they're going off on their holidays and their vacations. So get ready to see a lot of TikTok videos and Instagram posts from your LA Lakers since the Lakers are through for the season. So with that note, Shedheads, let's talk about some positives as we finish this thing. Get ready because we do have the NRL and AFL starting off in a matter of hours with two big, big matches. Uh, I'm excited for them both. I think we're going to get some really good footy in both cases. But until next week, Shedheads, please stay safe. Uh, bring back that energy. Let me know you're out there. This has been Outside the Sheds. I am your host, your Shed Adamas, your guy that's hitting his picks. Until next week, see ya. And that was another fantastic episode of Outside the Sheds with Corey Jackson, talking all things NRL, AFL and all things sports. So please remember to smash the subscribe button and share this with your family and friends and show them what Australian sport is all about.